You have questions? We have answers. We're two Southern moms on the backside of raising kids. And we have some things to say. We've lived life, made mistakes, and learned some lessons. Join us for answers to the questions you just want to ask your mom. Hey, welcome to Just Ask Your Mom. I'm Renee Sproles. And I'm Bonnie Blaylock. And today we're going to be talking about parenting on the spectrum from delays to giftedness. And we have a guest with us, Stephanie Wolf. Welcome, Stephanie. Hello. And Stephanie's our good friend from way, way, way back. And um, so, Stephanie, tell us about yourself. Tell us about your family um, and what you're working on right now before we get started. Well, um, I am a mother of four children, ages 5, 14, 18, and 22. Um, I have been a special education teacher um, in the public schools. Um, I've also stayed at home with my children for many years. I homeschooled for a few years in there. And um, I'm currently working on a PhD in literacy studies. I'm studying the brain and how it works in reading. Wow. You're such an interesting person, yeah. Stephanie. Such a cool thing. I know. You're, and you're also very good at Trivial Pursuit. We played many games of Trivial Pursuit. <laughs> Fun fact with from Stephanie and <laughs> her husband. So, um, so what do we mean by spectrum? Yeah, talk to us about um, spectrum because we were talking about this before we started recording. It's mm -hmm. not just one spectrum. It's what you said. Uh, correct. Um, there are many um, conditions that are on a spectrum. Um, you know, some some conditions are categorical. You either have it or you don't. Um, but many are on a spectrum. Um, Giftedness is one of those. Um, IQ is, um, you probably have seen the bell curve in, um, in statistics class uh -huh, way yeah. back. Mm -hmm. um, so on the bell curve, um, there are a few people uh, at the lower end, there are a few people at the upper end, but most people are in the, in the center. Um, giftedness um, generally would be the people that score on the upper end of that curve. And so you can, um, so it's a spectrum. There are degrees of how, um, that's just with the IQ portion of giftedness. Of giftedness. Um, there, more, are, there are other things. Yes, there are other things. Um, creativity is, um, is one aspect that's usually considered in giftedness. Um, Makes me think of like maybe Elon Musk. Or Tesla oh, uh -huh. or something yeah. crazy. Out of the box. Creative, mm -hmm. out of the box thinker. Mm-hmm gifted that kind of thing also focus like intense focus on certain subjects really interested in i don't know you, you just delve into say airplanes for example and that's you know everything there is to know about airplanes yeah depth of study yeah. depth yes. of interest mm -hmm. uh, curiosity in general mm -hmm. um and just a desire to learn um and explore new things and is um like a high capacity to take on new information would that be um uh, generally, well, there are lots of um, conflicting definitions of what giftedness is, both in research and in um, just legal definitions for school purposes. Um, so there's lots of skills that are um, considered when uh, determining if someone is gifted or not. Um, it could uh, the skills range anywhere from you know musical talent or athletic ability. Um, all the way to IQ um, and scholastic achievement. Um, and then um, creativity is one component that's considered that we just spoke about. Um, so, so everybody, all of it, all of our kids have gifts. So there's like, there's giftedness, yes. but then there's the, like you're describing the bell curve. So yes, you've got, exactly. so like everyone's out there playing soccer, 
there's yeah. a few that become the elite athletes right um and that would be true in like i guess all the industries and and everything else right because you know every pediatrician hears every single day how gifted oh, I know. <laughs> right every child is yeah. that's how true the average every child is right every mom thinks that so okay. but there is a definition yeah, of yes there are parameters you're looking for when right. you're, yes when you're talking about having a gifted child and um and so like as a young mom like what are what are some hints that like you're looking at this little baby this little toddler and can you describe to us like what's a normal normal the big bell curve section uh -huh. right? right what's the big bell curve section versus the the small section of the bell curve and, right and let's just stop for a second and say the reason why we're asking stephanie these questions <laughs> in particular is not because she's just some random person off the street but she of her four children um they are all in this range right the, at least the oldest two are yes. gifted the oldest two were classified as gifted right and in, they had to buy the public school school system okay yes and then you guys adopted yes. a third child um who would be on a completely different spectrum which we'll get to later in the broadcast yes correct that's correct right so she's had some experience um <laughs> lifetime experience identifying yes. right not to mention her public not school to, yeah not to experience. mention yeah your teaching experience your education yes. itself um so you've got you know your your the things you've studied but then the things you've lived Yes. And so I'm thinking like, okay, you're a young mom. You got this little baby, this little toddler. Yeah. Like, did you, did you start to, like, did you notice right away? I did. Um, but as you said, I was also aware that every mother thinks their child is brilliant. And so <laughs> I always kind of tempered all of my um, observations with that, you know, and just kind of kept it in. But looking back, I can tell you now that um, some of the things I saw were, um, just very very atypical um my daughter when she was eight months old i remember she was very little um barely sitting up in the bathtub and she reached out with her little finger and pointed to the duck and said cat cat so she had her first word at eight months that's not typical yeah. um and her language was very well developed um early on she spoke like an adult as a toddler um and to me, that was just my child. I didn't really. Um, what else did you have to compare it to? Yeah, she's right. the first one. That's all I know. Uh huh. <laughs> this is what kids do. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But really, it's not <laughs> what most kids do. And so um, that was, yeah, that was my experience with it. And then when her brother came along, he also um, was just as strong verbally. And I was still in the mindset of this is what kids do. And, you know, um, it wasn't until later in schooling that um it, that i really realized that they were you know going to be labeled as gifted mm -hmm. i of course thought that but like i said well were they like yeah. so what does that look like when they're in kindergarten or first grade like were they bored did they get their work done really fast did they well, act out some children are bored uh, you know personality interacts with with mm -hmm. the giftedness as well. So um, for my daughter, you know, she was read, both of them were reading before they got to school. Um, and then in school, um, they already knew things <laughs> <laughs> that other children didn't know. Um, they just, both of them had a really wide um, knowledge base for um, just how the world works. And, and so school was pretty easy. Um, but that comes with some negatives too. Um, for example, when my daughter was in um, kindergarten, her teacher um, didn't really 
uh, she seemed a little intimidated by her. I don't know how else to put that. Um, some of the, you know, she spoke like an adult, and so there's an assumption that she should have the social and emotional skills of an adult as well. Mm. And um, so that was kind of rough because mm. she was still just five years She's old. still just a little kid. Just a little kid, but she <laughs> talked like she was um, very mature. Um, that I've seen that happen with tall children yes. as well. You know, yes. the three-year-old is as tall as a five-year-old, yeah. and people are really hard on them because they think, that they're older than they are. Uh-huh. It's the same thing, but with the verb, the verbal skills she's displaying. Is, That's interesting. Yeah, but the teacher should know better. Well, Isn't that yeah. interesting? <laughs> it Isn't is. That interesting. <laughs> they should know better. But so one of the reasons I thought that you would be such an interesting guest is because um, because of your background as a teacher and because of your your specific children and their needs and and how they all turned out. Um, you just have you dove into what was available to them. Yes. Um, within the school, you said you homeschooled a little bit. I and did. you did public school. So yes. you did a smattering of both. Um, and from what I've read and from my own experience with my kids, um, the school system doesn't just necessarily roll out the red carpet and, you know. No, they do Here's not. door number one and here's door number two. It's kind of like you have to be your own best advocate. Right? Absolutely. Uh, on both, um, both ends of the special ed um, continuum, you know, when you have a child with difficulties, you have to fight for what that child needs. And when you have a gifted child, you have to fight for what that child needs. Right. Yeah. So just walk us through what that yeah. looks like. Like that'll just think of, think of you're talking to a young mom who might be walking this journey. What would you tell her? Give her some steps. Well, um, you know your child better than anyone else. You know that. And um, you need to do research. Um, so like if, you're, if you have a child that you suspect is gifted, um, you need to advocate for them. Um, one thing that most parents don't know is that you can request to have your child tested and they must um, they must test him oh. based on your the school request. system? Yes. Based on your request. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. And so at what age would you maybe do that? Well, um, I guess it would depend on what the situa- the situation that you're in with your child if, if for example if you have a child that's gifted and you feel like they're not being stimulated at school or maybe they're ha- developing behavior issues because they're bored mm. that's a very common um, occurrence mm-hmm. um, or you just want to see them pushed harder um, then you can request that they be evaluated now I will say with giftedness they tend to not um, this may have changed in recent years but when my children were young they did not test for giftedness early they waited until about fourth grade because that's when um the iq tests are thought to be more reliable and that may have changed okay in yeah. recent years yeah. <laughs> that seems that seems late eight or right. nine years old well you think of everybody wow. kind of gets in this curve you know you get admitted to the um uh schools based on a kindergarten test you know uh no i don't know a specific i never did any of that so like it's totally foreign to me well some of the choice schools you know you pass a test and then you get into that school um but then they've done studies that say okay well that's that's kindergarten but then by the time you get to third grade a lot of that has leveled out again yes okay and so maybe some of the kids that didn't get in in kindergarten could very well get in third grade so a lot of the that's kind of the reason yeah the variability that you see in those early grades are a lot of it is due to home environment and so if the child comes from a really strong home environment they will be um they'll perform better academically 
And then you may have another another child who had a less uh, strong yeah, home, home environment. Yeah. Um, but they actually are gifted and they're not noticed because they're being compared to someone who's had more stimulation and more opportunities. And then as they progress through school, um, you see uh, the differences oh, wow. start you see to a show. Out. Yeah. Ah, and right. Then they're, 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 yeah. And so sometimes around, and you get in those choice schools, sometimes it's around third or fourth grade when the curriculum starts actually getting, you know, a little harder, a little more difficult. Some of the early entrance kids are like, hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think I want to be in this school mm-hmm. anymore. So, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it's an interesting, interesting policy going on there. Yeah. But so, okay. So say third or fourth grade, then um, you get this IQ test. You say, okay, little Sally, something's up with her. I think she's a little brighter than the average Joe. So let's go in and talk to the teacher and I'm going to request they do a test. Yes. Then what happens? Um, and sure enough, she's on the high scale on the on the high end of that bell curve you were talking about then what yes so they'll assess to to determine giftedness they will assess their cognitive ability which is an iq test they'll also assess their achievement which could be the tcap or it could be their grades um and then they'll also uh they're like in the state of tennessee they use uh creativity scales um and rating forms that teachers fill out and so they'll they'll they have some combination of those scores that they use to determine eligibility. And so if they've score high, scored high enough on a combination of those scores, they're considered eligible for special education um, with the category of gifted. At that point, um, the, team, the school will call a meeting, um, an IEP meeting, which would involve, uh, it would include- Define that term. Yeah, say the, say the term. Okay. IEP is what? IEP is an individualized education plan, and every child who receives special education services has an IEP. Okay. Um, and what it is, is it's a specific plan developed by a team of people that include the parent, um, the classroom teacher, um, a school psychologist, an administrator, and any other specialists um, that might be required. Um, those those people as a team come up with a plan for the child that includes um, information about where the child's current level of performance is and their strengths. It includes um, goals, and they could be academic goals, they could be behavioral goals. Um, there's a whole range of types of goals you could have. Um, and then ways those goals will be implemented, like how many hours they will spend in different um, classroom environments with different types of providers. Um, what that's else? Really, that There's a lot fantastic. of fantastic. Well, yeah, it is it great. <laughs> but in my experience, and it and it can be. Okay. But when you are a parent who has never had a kid before, and you're in a school system that you've never dealt with this before, um, that's all interesting and kind of flattering. Right. But I don't really know what all the jargon meant. And I didn't really know, I mean, I'm just kind of nodding my head going, okay, okay, yeah, that all sounds good, yep, okay. But then um, now in hindsight, I see how much more advocacy I could have done, how many yes. more questions I could have asked, um, things that I didn't even know were available, yes. like um, compacting of curriculum or you know, jumping ahead in, you know, anything so they made their recommendations but you could have countered i could have you could have right if you had knowledge team. right mm-hmm. right and they weren't telling me i couldn't 
but they weren't just like giving me this smorgasbord of options correct because those options cost money Uh for um for the district and so they're not going to offer them necessarily um especially if if those options are outside of what is normally done or what plans that they already have in place so is a parent of a gifted child or is that child entitled to those though uh, they are if it's deemed that that is necessary for their achievement. Okay. So, and that's kind of a, a gray that's area and that's, right? and that's where you fight. Okay. That's where you have to fight. Mm-hmm. Um, so what is, com- what is commonly done um, is, is called enrichment. Um, and so the schools that we were, were talking about, the choice schools in our area, primarily use enrichment um, they provide more opportunities for learning. Um, they might pull you out of class. They might pull you out. They might let you delve into your special interests. Um, but then uh, what you were speaking of, compacting and advancing, that actually has been studied and has been proven to be beneficial. Mm-hmm. But that is not commonly used because it's a lot harder to implement. And there's other factors to consider when you do that. So say you have a child that is um, very skilled in math and you want them to take math two levels up so you put them in a class generally with kids that are two years older and that has its own problems right so you know there's a lot of factors to consider um so you'd have to know your child do you think your child could handle being in a classroom um, with kids two years older right right behavioral stuff going on and for some children they're so passionate about math for example that they are willing to do that and their and their personalities Mm -hmm. um can handle that kind of um environment yeah the challenge yeah like Mm -hmm. the social the social challenge that that would bring yeah there's a whole you're balancing you know it's a whole a whole child social emotional (laughs) academic all the things and it's they're not always growing at the same rate correct so it's really that's kind of tough sometimes um yeah but will they let you take tests early like if you can go ahead of your class will they go ahead and let you test early will that teacher um so that you can keep on progressing i didn't know to ask that question for example um and it's more work for the teacher it is because they've got a classroom of you know 20 30 students and maybe your child you know well i've got not just busy work either because a lot of Teachers will say, um, okay, you're gifted. Well, then I'll just give you more. Right. More is not better. (laughs) They'll also use your child as a tutor or other children, Mm -hmm. which it it can be good for your child to an extent, but that's not actually helping your child necessarily. Right. Um, Did you all experience that? Oh, yes. Your child being children being used as tutors? Mm -hmm. Yes. And so, Wow. So what did you feel like got too much sometimes like they were being used too much or that was a good experience for them? No, because when they were in school, they were in choice school. So it wasn't um, egregious. But as a teacher, I saw that happening in classrooms Mm -hmm. and um, was always frustrated by that because I think there's a belief that, well, your kid's already smart. We need to catch everybody else up um, and kind of ignore the fact that that your child could be advancing even further and they should be advancing even further. But um, as long as they're at grade level, no one's really worried about. Right. So is that why you homeschooled? Yes, that is. So you had this IEP for them, for both of them? Your yes. daughter and your son? Mm-hmm. And then when did you decide to, how long did that go on? And then you decided to um, Well, they transitioned to a different school that had different, um, there's a lot of components to why I chose to homeschool. Um, <laughs> 
at that at the time that particular year um, Tennessee rolled out new initiatives that required lots and lots of testing and my children were already at the 99th percentile in all the tests they were being offered and so every few weeks they were taking the same test that right. told the teacher nothing about where they were and it was frustrating me um, there were a lot of other issues as well but um, yeah that and and they were both passionate about certain things and homeschooling allowed them to pursue their passions uh, my son for example was very interested in debate and com competing in debate and homeschool was was the perfect environment yeah. for that he yeah. was able to travel all around the country debating and um and learning perfect teach your child mm -hmm. <laughs> to debate so well that you can never have one conversation oh yeah <laughs> that you don't get outmaneuvered on <laughs> that is true right <laughs> no he's he's great he's a great guy um oh that's so cool so so that's that's really helpful. I had, I mean, on you know how naive I am on all that. Like, I can imagine, like, there's so many young moms out there who would hear this and go, "Oh my goodness, I didn't know the timing or the things to look for, or mm -hmm. that I could ask questions or advocate or counter." Yeah, and it's right? also always difficult to go in and be combative with your child's school mm -hmm. because they have your child all day, yeah. and you don't want them to dislike your child because <laughs> yes. of of you yes. <laughs> so that's like a fine balance as well yeah that, gotta be wise yeah and, and yeah. decide if it's worth the exactly the back and forth if it's worth it yeah we yeah. always had teachers teachers were the advocate though like the, it yeah. was the teacher that notified us yes I, I didn't know because i didn't know to know that like right. you said you have these two children they're the only two children you've ever had you don't know that there's anything different so it was the teacher that said hey we might want to test your children Right. It was the first time I'd ever, oh, okay, that sounds good to me. Let's just do that. So, um, not to not to knock teachers, they're they have a the toughest job in the universe, I oh, think. Oh, absolutely. I was one, I <laughs> <And> know. They, <laughs> they can certainly be your child's advocate. So Yes, for um, sure. They can. Um another thing I noticed about um or can be true, I think, about gifted kids is um right around that third, fourth, fifth grade time frame, all the social dynamics start yes. happening. You know, you're interested in boys, maybe, and all the all the silly social stuff that happens around that age. Girls get mean. Yeah. Yeah. Um, gifted kids can sometimes, that's when they might start feeling different. Absolutely. Or, or yeah. noticing, I'm not like them. Um, they might try to play dumb. Yes. <laughs> so that they're not the ones getting the A's, like deliberately failing yes, tests that so that they can fit in deliberately not making it into the next level so that they they're liked by their friends and they can stay back with their friends things like that that you you need to watch for too as a parent yeah those are things that happen yeah for so sure. um can we can we shift gears to the to another sure um yes yeah, spectrum <clears throat> so you've got these two children you're they're home and they're homeschooling then you and your husband go on this adoption journey yes how old were the kids? Um, so the oldest two, they were nine and six. Okay. When so, he came home. So they were still in public school. Yes. At that point. They were. Okay. And so um, if there's things we can look for that you mentioned, like um, high verbal proficiency, um, specialized areas of interest, mm -hmm. um, excellent memories, fascination with certain subjects, if you're those are things that might stand out to you that your child might be gifted or there's something else going on here. 
what what stood out to you when you brought your third child home oh well with autism it's a whole different um ball game (laughs) um my child my son was adopted at the age of two so he had already um you know lived two years of life when i met him um when i met him i knew we knew immediately that he was likely struggling with some disability he um, did not make eye contact with any human Um, in fact he didn't even really acknowledge humans talking to him it was kind of like background noise to him Um, he didn't have uh, social uh, awareness you know Um, explain that so like um, what would a normal two-year-old do so a normal okay a normal two-year-old you know, you talk to them and they look at you. Mm-hmm. Um, you gesture to something and they look at it. They understand um, that, you know, that there is a give and take to communication. Mm-hmm. Um, he did not have any emotional expression. He squealed and made this noise all the time and we never knew if it was crying or squeals of joy like you couldn't tell his face had no expression he just made this noise and um so those things combined were very obvious to us but i think it's different for somebody that has a baby um in their home and they're raising it and you know like we said with the giftedness it's the only child they know and so they don't realize that maybe what their child is doing is not typical um can it be like i have a friend who's um child was eventually diagnosed with autism he just never slept yeah so there's lots of babies that don't sleep mm-hmm. so like yeah. don't if you're listening to this don't panic right you're right not, you're not sleeping. <laughs> but she's like he as a baby like a newborn he required so little sleep he just almost never slept yes um and that um combined with like you know fixation on certain topics or subjects and um extreme intelligence um an aptitude for um, computers and programming mm. and things like that as he got a little bit older but um yeah he couldn't make eye contact he would kind of like look over our shoulder mm-hmm. when we would talk so it wasn't that he wouldn't acknowledge us but he did kind of never yeah engage um, yeah and so you're talking about a spectrum here so sometimes it's very obvious right sometimes it's really subtle exactly Yes. So is there, are there things, like is there a bullet pointed list that like, we can... Yes. Like with the gifted part, I feel like the teachers maybe have an interaction thing, but with this, maybe it's your pediatrician? Yes. And um, the other part of autism is that it's extremely important that you get the diagnosis as soon as possible because the earlier you can start working with them, the better chance you have of success um, because the brain is more plastic when you're younger and so if you can get into therapies and things early you'll have better chance a better outcome so I've heard parents say I don't want to pigeonhole them don't want to label I don't want to label them with a diagnosis and I do get that I mean I I do see that you you know you know the beautiful uniqueness of your child but what you're saying is like that's like alarm bells for me yes Um, early intervention it's huge it's it's everything for 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 many conditions but especially autism and um i will say the day 
my son was diagnosed, I was relieved because it's obvious something's wrong and now I have a name for it. Um, but I was also a little offended. I'm like, well, he's not that bad. Really autism, mm. you know? And, um, but I realized quickly that that opened so many doors. Um, once he had that actual label, he was legally entitled to so much oh. help. So and what I, age was that? Uh, he was two years and probably three months. Oh, so pretty quickly really after quickly. he came home. Yes. Okay. Yes. And you knew, you knew, get that diagnosis, get, get a diagnosis. I you didn't know. You I didn't, didn't know that. that. I okay. knew early intervention was important. I did know that much. Yeah. But after I got the diagnosis, I realized how many things were opened up to me because of that. Like? Or to him. So, yeah. Um, like uh, early intervention services. Um, if you have that, that label, you're automatically entitled to them. You're automatically entitled to an IEP when they get to school. Um, there's certain sources of funding that you're entitled to. Um, all kinds of things. Um, but that diagnosis is actually a good, a blessing. Yeah. So you're talking about like occupational therapy? Yes. And, and for therapy and for insurance purposes, the state of Tennessee is the last state in the nation to approve ABA therapy. Which uh, is, what's ABA? ABA therapy is a kind of therapy. One of the therapies that has been researched to be effective for children on the spectrum. And we are the last state in the country to make it mandatory that insurance covers it so when my son was younger and we started that therapy I, we had to pay out of pocket for it but now insurance will cover it so um if you have the diagnosis so and you get that from a pediatrician you get that from a psychologist ah, okay. so talk to well there's several things you can do if you're and i know people are afraid of having their child labeled or put into a category that limits them but um i don't see it that way i see it as my child is my child no matter what you call him and this is just going to give me more resources if if we have this diagnosis um, there is an online uh rating scale that anyone can use for free and it's just a checklist and you can go through and answer the questions and i believe you can include them yeah, in the resources in sure notes. yeah um, and you can just go through this checklist and it will tell you whether you should proceed with, um, you know, asking for help from a pediatrician and they'll probably refer you to a psychiatrist, psychologist, psychologist, a psychologist. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. And so early intervention looks like what, what did your days look like now? Well, <laughs> they were crazy. Um, he had about 40 hours a week of therapy. Um, wow. the, Part of it was the ABA therapy, which is um, a, it's called applied behavior analysis. Um, and basically he had to learn everything. Um, he had to learn to look people in the eye. He had to learn, um, well, they started with sign language. They taught him to communicate with signs. And um, so he learned that if I do something, if I make a sign, it'll get a response from other people. So basic. And then just building on that, um, he learned words, he learned, um, different categories of words he learned different behaviors that that we needed to address as you know as he progressed through the therapy um, so we did ABA therapy some of it we paid for um, and then I was trained in it and did and continued at home with a lot of it um, he also received occupational therapy and he received speech therapy um, and so 
And then he was also he verbal? was he verbal? He was nonverbal. Okay. Mm-hmm. And we didn't know if he would talk. So um, when he started, I remember his first word was apple because he was in the kitchen. He was always hungry. And um, he said apple and I just wanted to cry. Ah! <laughs> so. <laughs> Yes, you can have all the apples you want. Right. Three, four, five apples. Oh, wow. Wow, wow, wow. So you were doing this at home. You were paying for it professionally. You were doing it at home. Yeah. Occupational therapy, like um, what kinds of things? Well, it's a whole range of things. Um, They taught him uh, another issue that he has, in addition to autism, he has sensory integration issues and um, different, which is a whole other disorder that I could talk a long time about another but, spectrum that you would yeah that you would look <laughs> yes at. Yeah. and many autistic children also have sensory issues as well so it's a common um it's common to have both conditions yes. um so for for my son he um like for example we could not go to target he just couldn't handle the noise all of the visual stimulation of the colors and 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 the movement through space all of that was very upsetting for him he couldn't process it he couldn't it was overwhelming and so we pretty much stayed home and went to therapy and stayed home and went to therapy Um, but occupational therapy worked on um, so many skills but one of them was you know um, getting used to different sources of sensory information and 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 working the through world the world yeah. yeah and when he's young like that he wasn't able to recognize i'm being overwhelmed by this noise and i need it to stop and to tell someone please make the noise stop he didn't have any of those verbal skills and so he would just melt down mm-hmm. and you didn't know why mm-hmm. and so it was a constant guessing game of why is he upset and and kind of assessing the, his environment and trying to um yeah. trying to adjust things wow. figure it out so um his journey like give us an idea of time like how much if a young parent is looking at this kind of a diagnosis with for their child and knowing that there's a spectrum Mm -hmm. um are you talking years are you talking their whole rest of their childhood till they're out of your house like what it will impact him for the rest of his life um and for each child, it's different depending on the severity, um, depending on their unique personality, their own gifts and talents. Um, so each child is completely different, but they will have this disorder their entire life. They'll have the disorder their entire <clears throat> life. I'm thinking of um, like uh, it's it will seem it would seem overwhelming. And it would seem like it was never going to end. Yes. Like it was never going to change. It was never going to get better. So like if I were looking at that diagnosis, I'd want to go like, can I hope for some progress um, in a couple of years? Yeah. In a few months? Like when can I see, like, did you see change pretty quickly? Um, I did. Um, When we started therapy, I noticed a quick change. Um, but one, there was a couple things, there were a couple things that I did. Um, so that rating scale I told you about online, there's a longer form of it. And I had that, that I had, um, kind of written kind of every area that he was deficient in. And what I would do is every few months I would get a different colored pen and I'd redo that scale. <gasps> and, so like, and then I would I see that. growth mm-hmm. and, um, and it would give me hope like, okay, mm-hmm. we're not dealing with that anymore. He's, he's over, you know, he's managed to work through that's that so and I mean, um, we did that 
um, just in things we were training our kids to. Um, yeah. yeah, a lot with character training. So we right. would have the we'd have the list on the fridge. Here's a couple things we're working on right now. Remember, mom, this is what we're working on. And then when we'd see progress, we'd be like, okay, check that. Let's, yeah. let's do something else. Right. It'd be the same thing. Exactly the same. Exactly. And sometimes two steps forward, one step yeah. back. Okay. But with, still. As with everyone. Right? Yep. Yeah. <laughs> but overall, long term, yeah. it's progress. Yeah. So that's so why. So. But I will say, so we did all of those therapies. And the time period where it was dramatically improved was when he entered school. So I don't know if it's the age or just the fact that he was out of the house. But... Um, it became a lot less intense at when he entered school. Which was age five, six? Yeah, kindergarten. Like yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, he had an IEP when he went in. He did, Because yeah. you'd already had the diagnosis at two years old. So, yeah, so yeah. I'm interested in some of the accommodations that an IEP gives you at school Okay. for that kind of a spectrum, sensory mm-hmm. processing or autism or... Let's even throw in ADHD and some of mm-hmm. those other OCD kind of things. You're going to have probably an IEP for those sorts of things too. Yes. Or you can. Yes. So your accommodations might include um, getting pulled out into a different kind of classroom. Yes. Um, maybe wearing headphones because of what you said, there's too much stimulation or too much right. too much noise. Um, seating preferences, mm-hmm. front or yes. back of the room. Um, testing in a certain way. I know a um, friend of my daughter's. Even all the way up into college um, has testing accommodations because of issues that she faces. So she can take a test in a completely different room all by herself from the rest of her college classmates. So that IEP can follow you all the way through into college. college. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And they can adjust um, timing. So if it's a timed test... Right. Um, they can adjust that if they and it's all based on what the child needs, the individual child. Right. So, you know, one child may need a testing accommodation. Another one may need to have sensory breaks. My son needed sensory breaks. So he would work really hard for about 30 minutes and then he would go to another room and bounce mm. and, and just recenter. And then he'd be able to come back and work hard again for 30 more minutes. And that had to be written in an IEP so that all of the teachers were on the same page and, and you know, executed right. the, diff- the various things that he needed. Right. So, so it was just like dyslexia. Or you yeah. have something read to you audibly yeah. rather than having to right. prod right. through the whole text. You yeah. still get the same information, but it's just in a different way. Yeah. So just like with your gifted kids, were there areas with him that um, where he was like excelling and you're like, wow, there's really something here that he's really interested in or fascinated by? What did, did, Were there things like that for him? Uh, yes, he has definite interests, <laughs> very focused interests. That's, that is one of the, a common um, attribute of children on the spectrum. But giftedness um, too. That was another yeah. that was an attribute on the giftedness spectrum. That's true. Yeah. So Which are, is what, interesting. Yeah, it is interesting to um, me. So he's had a lot of different things that he's focused on. Um, right now, he's very interested in hospitals. <laughs> and they're, they're right. unusual interests that the average person is not interested <laughs> in. So for him, he, right now, he's into hospitals. And he can tell you, if you name a city, he can tell you the hospitals in that city. Um, he can tell you wow. things about the hospitals. It's very, <laughs> very mm-hmm. interesting. He's passionate about it and just yeah. kind of picks up, picks it up. Wow. I, I remember when he was littler 
it was bugs. Yes. He, he was so bugs. into bugs. And he came into your house one day with like fistfuls of worms. Right. Which I know are technically not bugs, but they seem like a bug. <laughs> <laughs> he could just tell you all about them. And yes. he Anything science related yeah. is interesting to him. Yeah. He's a very curious child. They make for great um, conversationalists. They yeah. have all this really interesting information stored. Mm. And it's like they can just pull it out and <laughs> give it to you. I love that. I love that. So as a parent, maybe you're a different kind of parent because you had the teaching background and you had a little bit more of the, I don't know, research and stuff going into it. But um, just as your average, everyday, normal parent, (laughs) um, a lot of the things that we're talking about today, spectrums, whether it's the gifted spectrum or the deficiency, autism autism spectrum spectrum or any of the other ones, um, as if we don't already, as moms, feel this anyway. I, I would think that you would feel fairly inadequate. Oh, yeah. To the task. All the time. <laughs> um, like in gifted, for example, your gifted child might be smarter than you. Yeah. And, you know, that doesn't mean they can be rude or disrespectful, but right. um, so there's things that you have to learn. But all right, he was right about that thing that he pointed yeah. out, you know, and maybe <laughs> I didn't know what that math problem was. But yeah, we had to, sp- I've, I spent a lot of time, um, talking about I am your mother and God placed me in your life to parent you and you may know an answer but you must always be respectful and we can get into an argument or disagreement Um, but in the end I'm your mother and um, that title alone yeah reigns it it trumps any (laughs) argument you have I don't care if I'm illogical (laughs) I'm your mom (laughs) that's good that's good I was reading an article um, by a mom she's a doctor um she was a worship minister a concert artist she's a professor at a university and she had two girls and both of them were gifted just like your first two mm-hmm. and um she said you know parenting was a challenge that um that they intelligent kids often appear self-sufficient like they yeah you know, like um assuming that they don't need as much from you as they might actually need and emotional needs or affirmation, approval, encouragement, you know, you know, you know, they're awesome. And so maybe right. you forget to, to say, or, and she said, um, like you were saying, just because they're really, really intelligent doesn't mean they're wise. Right. That's so, true. <laughs> you know, knowledge and wisdom are two different things. Yes. You gain wisdom through life experience and, um, you know, heeding good advice and yeah, yeah. You know, learning your lessons and all that thing and those kinds of things. And so, I thought that was a really good distinction just to keep in mind that because yeah when you have really bright kids you hit those junior high years (laughs) yeah it's not all that fun (laughs) right (laughs) (laughs) and we had we had to do the same thing um you know with our especially with my son and it was like you you likely do know more than I do right about about science even at age 12 right (laughs) there's a respectful way Yes. And give me that information. And really that needs to apply to anybody he's interacting with, but especially his parents. That's right. That's right. So I I thought that was a couple of really good um, pieces of it, of an, of advice that she had. Um, She has some crazy stories like her, um, one of her daughter, her first daughter was high performer, you know, like typical, like she just jumped through the hoops, you know, Mm -hmm. she was like excelling at everything. And the second one was like, Oh, I can be the rebel. (laughs) And she, um, at their private school they went to, she founded the dress code because she hated the 
uniforms and she read the dress code like a lawyer would read it <laughs> and she found that it didn't mention shoes <laughs> and so she wore bunny slippers no to school. <laughs> and they sent her to the principal's office and when she pointed out the dress code to the principal the principal just said you're right okay <laughs> <laughs> and it was a bunny slipper revolution and everybody um, started wearing bunny slippers in um, defiance power of the to the people code. so That's yeah fun. it's gonna be an interesting ride with really really bright <laughs> yes <laughs> precocious children Oh my goodness. Uh, so were there any um so for your your two where the this third child enters your family he requires a lot of care. Yes. Um talk about the dynamic with your with your older two. What were the challenges there? How did you how did you continue to meet their needs too? Well, it it has been a huge challenge. Um for a period our family was pretty much split in two. Um one of us would be with the autistic child and the other one would be with the other two because the autistic child couldn't go places, couldn't do things. And we didn't want to have the older children sitting at home. And so we did a lot of things separate and which is, it was really sad. We didn't like it, but it was kind of where we were. Um, and of course, you know, our attention and energy were drawn away from our older two, um, to deal with the third, to deal with the child with autism. hours a week. That's yeah, a, that's, that's a job. Like, that's a job. It's its Old own time. job. It is. <laughs> Much less everything else you have to do to keep life going. And it's emotionally draining. Yeah. Um, so yeah, th- yeah, that was a that was a very rough time. So were they for resentful? Family. Um, I think probably a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, like and, they love him. Mm-hmm. But but sure, I mean that's hard. Yeah. Like any other sibling who, yeah, yeah, we, we just had somebody on we, our podcast. I'm um, talking about a child with an illness. It's the same kind of thing, exactly. You know, it's yeah. exactly what you're describing. Yeah, that and then, ones with the sick child, ones with the well right. child, and they're living two different lives. Mm-hmm. And then they feel guilty mm-hmm. for resenting him mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. You know, because it's they know he fault. needs it, and right. it's yeah. not his fault, and yeah. they love him. And so, yeah, it's it's pretty complex but, <laughs> on, but on the other side of that like they worked through it is what you're, i'm hearing oh you sure say. so the beautiful the beautiful side of the other side of that suffering is i imagine they're way more compassionate than they might have been absolutely yeah and especially with them having gone to choice um, schools they had never been around children who weren't gifted weren't smart and um or that had differences and so it was it's been good um they've learned compassion they've learned Patience. Patience. Patience is a big one. Yeah. And and perseverance. I mean, think of all the work he did. Right. He is my hardest working kid, hands down. He is the hardest worker. Now, that's a great statement right there. Is how, yeah. Because it's so easy. It comes so easy for the kid on the gifted spectrum. Mm -hmm. Right. And what a a true example, really, that he is, you know, to them as a, you know, maybe it doesn't come so easy for him, but look what he's accomplished. Right. Like, you know, I think that's great. Even learning to chew food, everything he does, he had to learn the hard way. <laughs> and um, yeah. And so he can, can he, um, the things you mentioned earlier that he had challenges with. So now he can look you in the eye. Yes, he does. He, and he is verbal. I've heard he's talk, very I've verbal had conversations with him. He's very affectionate. He is, he notices my facial expressions. He may not notice everybody's, but he will say, you look sad. And then, or you look angry and and so that that's a huge, yeah. um, huge jump from where he yeah. was. Uh-huh. And he's how old now? He's 14. 14. Mm-hmm. And so now we're thinking of how is he going to transition to adulthood 
and we're dealing with all of those challenges. Um, and now we're looking at um, how can he, he doesn't have friends. He doesn't know how to make friends, but he's at the age now where he realizes it and wants friends. And so that's, that's just a whole nother level of struggle that we're, we're having to help I, him through. I believe he can learn it. Yeah, you too. too. And it. you don't know this, but I was talking to <laughs> yeah. some kids in the youth group the other day, um, randomly saw them at a pizza parlor and said, Hey, do you know, um, Charlie, is Charlie in the youth group yet? Is he, is he old enough? And they're like, Oh yeah. Like we know Charlie. Charlie's <laughs> great. Like they didn't know you. They didn't know no. me. <laughs> and they were telling, yeah, Charlie's awesome. He's so much fun. And, um, I wouldn't say that he doesn't have friends. Right. <laughs> yes. I, I, I know what you're saying. <laughs> Charlie is famous. Anywhere yeah. I go, if I just say, oh, I'm Charlie's mom, I get a reaction. Like, <laughs> yeah, I know Charlie. <laughs> like anywhere he's been, everybody knows him because he's so friendly and goes up to people and talks to them. He doesn't know how to um, reciprocate in, an, in a typical way, but he does interact. <laughs> and he That's just, so brave he too. loves people. <laughs> So, you know, yeah, yeah. braver than to me. Know, I yeah, just to know, I just know. It's true that you had to work really hard to do it. Uh-huh. So you likely know uh-huh. that you're doing it a little differently. You're still doing it. Yeah. You're doing it anyway. Oh, Whew. that's neat. So you have had, um, we didn't even mention your fourth child. Yeah, <laughs> was at the four. end. Yeah. And she's exceptional because I had her in my forties. <laughs> <laughs> um, and she's about to start um, transitional kindergarten. So we're excited about that. Oh. Goodness, and so do you see any inklings? She's very smart as well. Um, She has some good DNA mix going on over there. (laughs) I gotta say. (laughs) Oh, so you're already seeing it. Well, you've got so much experience. How could you not? But yeah, you're already paying attention and yeah, knowing what to look for. That's good. So, and it's it's. I think it's you know when you first have a kid, we talk about that new mom thing. you first have your first child and you don't know any different and this is all you know that's right um we started seeing some of this some of these behaviors some of these things um differences i guess um after we were teaching parenting classes for so many years and we had hundreds of families come through and with hundreds of families statistically somewhere in there you're going to see some outliers right yeah so you go into the kids classes and you're like okay well um that one's a little bit different that one's acting a little different socially or this one's acting a little bit different here and you might have parents in your class who are maybe their child doesn't respond to a certain discipline a certain way or maybe they're not potty training Mm -hmm. the way you know a typical child would potty train right but they're not thinking anything of it right Um, has given us uh, several opportunities to say i mean not a diagnosis right but but just to suggest you know yeah you ever talk to your pediatrician, pediatrician about that or if you <laughs> yeah that? because yeah. um otherwise how would they know right yeah. and i think a lot of times parents of children on the spectrum especially think they're just a bad parent and that's that's what's wrong that's where the behavior just, problems are coming from. yeah i just don't where, know how yeah. to parent him mm-hmm. and um and so that's a big deal for them to um to hear from someone else that it's okay to go ask for help and a lot of times, like you said, it is relief. It's kind of like, oh, goodness, thank goodness it's not just me. Yeah, yeah. And we've had everything from uh, spectrum diagnoses um, in our class to um, diabetes or something. Oh, you wow. Know, like there yeah. were other, Ill- there was an, an, a lurking illness that was not diagnosed. And mm-hmm. so once they they were doing these you know, consistent parenting techniques, and they're like, I'm getting nowhere. Mm-hmm. Right. And we have our pediatrician come in and answer questions. And um, yeah, they were able to 
you know, get that taken care of and then move forward. Yeah. So I would say to parents, if you have any inkling of a worry, just ask, ask your pediatrician, ask someone, maybe another parent, you know, that has, um, a children, a child with special needs and just don't be afraid to ask. I yeah, think, that's yeah. Good. How that's did you know? Advice. Or what does this look like? And if you don't get the answer, right. that you, if you still feel like mm, they just blow you off, ask again. Ask yes. Someone else. And it is a spectrum. And so it may just be a little tiny thing um, to one child and it's a huge thing in another child. And so, you know, definitely ask because like I said before, early intervention is huge. Mm. And the sooner you can start addressing the issues, the better your outcome will be. Great. I so think much, that's great advice. So, so much, much wisdom. hope and so much, yeah. um, I don't know. I just think it's so, it's so beautiful to see, um, moms and dads like really rise to the occasion and really like dig in with their kids and like just do their best for them. And like, and it's such a beautiful partnership and just to see like what can happen. Yeah. Well, nobody knows them better. That's right. Yeah. And they were put with you for a reason exactly like your particular exactly. talents and your particular personalities made this child and this family for a reason so yes. yeah dig the, in I, that's every interview in. i come away just going oh that's so beautiful like you <laughs> the two of you you know <laughs> doing this thing together yeah it's it's really neat to see Super cool. thank you for sharing your family's life with us sure i love them i love all I of know, them <laughs> i do too but you're They're also really super smart and so it's always fun to yeah talk to you and just and just learn more um, you're, you're very, you're a big time researcher, so <laughs> yes, appreciate so, your work. So, um, check out the website, just ask Cause we're going to have some resources on there and that, uh, online quiz that Stephanie was talking about. Um, you can also find us on Facebook at just ask your mom or Instagram at just ask your mom podcast. And if you're listening, please rate and give us a review. It just helps people find our podcast more easily. And we always solicit your questions or topic ideas. We answer all the emails that we get and are working our way through your suggestions. And um, we can read those at justaskyourmompodcast at gmail.com. And thank you for listening. We'll see you next time on Just Just Ask Ask Your Your Mom. Mom.